I hope you had a star spangly 4th of July. Sure, I did. I did. <laughs> we have a very busy show today. We're going to talk a lot of theater. We'll start with the St. Louis Actors Studios with directors John Contini and Carrie Eli. And then around minute 24, we'll talk to Joe Hanrahan and Janelle Owens about their shows at the Blue Strawberry. And then around minute 50, we'll talk about two animated features, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, and Nimona on Netflix. And then after that, The Sound of Freedom. Well, we are going to talk about all American things today, and that is surely St. Louis Actors Studio, because every year they do this play festival that's really interesting, and uh, so many different points of view, and it's uh, Neil LeBute, the playwright, has attached his name to it for the past, mm -hmm. what are we, John Contini and Carrie Eli, we are in the ninth is it the ninth of the year? I, I think so. Yep. Yes. For this. Mm -hmm. And uh, you always, uh, well, your work on stage, Jean Cantini and Carrie Eli, are some of the best in St. Louis. But this play festival, what strikes me is the different textures and the tones and the amount of great performers. I've seen some brand new performers who became favorites and then sometimes you leave and you can't speak because of what you saw and especially when eric dean white did the hitler apologist uh play oh. mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> and, and and carter lewis the great uh, playwright in residence mm -hmm. at washington university he is mm -hmm. often on the program but this year we have a new lineup and it looks exciting and we have some new performers too. So tell us all about this year's festival. Well, who would you like to go first? <laughs> You're on, John. Hey, ladies oh, I first. Okay, I've been elected. Huh? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk about the two shows that, that I'm directing and then I'll let Carrie talk about hers. Uh, there are five uh, uh, plays chosen for this festival this year, which I believe is different because usually they do twice as many and they run it longer weekends and alternate. Uh, but they've limited to just five this year and all five shows will be done every night for the full, is it three weekends? Yes, three, three weekends. weekends. Right. And uh -huh. uh, the, the two that I'm, that I'm directing is, the first one is the one by uh, Mr. Labute himself um, called Safe Space. Uh, uh, which is a wonderful script to work on. Uh, and that uh, includes Jane Paradise and, and Reggie Pierre as the two actors. And then the other production uh, that I'm doing is called Da Vinci's Cockroach <laughs> by Amy Todd. <laughs> and the cast of that is Colleen Baker and uh, Laurel Button. Uh, the plays are very different. And yet all five plays, I think, blend very nicely though it's a it's an interesting group of productions it's a wonderful evening of theater far I, I agree with john yeah. all of the plays have a universal theme to me about people trying to make a live human connection uh, and reach out and find something meaningful in their lives i think in this day and age we've gotten too disconnected from other people. And I think they're trying to bridge that gap and find life, joy, meaning, anything that they can hang on to. 
Well, the uh, I find that in these the plays that I'm directing as well. And what are I'm you doing directing? Mockingbirds. I'm sorry, Lynn. What are you directing? Oh, The Mockingbird's Nest by Craig Bailey. That's with uh, Jane Paradise, Colleen Backer. Um, it's a, a mother-daughter relationship, which is also a theme in the in some of the plays. Uh, I have a, a wonderful play, Blind Hem, by Bryn McLaughlin, our own, our own uh, St. Louis gal. And that is with uh, Anthony Winnegar and Eileen Engel. Again, people making a connection and trying to forge a relationship. And the last play is called uh, The Many Deaths of Sonny Liston. It's um, featuring Reginald Pierre and Eileen Engel. And it's by a playwright, uh, J.B. Heaps. So, uh, and as you can guess by the title, it's about Sonny Liston and one of the theories of his death, which uh, is still a mystery after all these years. I didn't even know that. When I saw that title, I was very intrigued. And I always think uh, Reginald does really great work. So I'm He's lovely. And then Eileen is brand new this year, and she's very excited because I saw her, and she was all bubbly about what she's doing. So I like that you have a good mix of the, the, uh, the usual and the new. I like that. And also, I like that it's not because I sounded probably overly dramatic when I was telling about the shows, but some of them are very funny too. So it's a nice yeah. mix. Oh yes. There's, There's a great a lot mix of laughs of, throughout, yeah. the, throughout the evening. Yes. yes. Very entertaining. And, and plays the, that are going to make you leave the theater. And as you said earlier, think about what you just saw. Some of I'm they're going to make you think for for days and days after this. And hopefully beyond that, talk about it. Yes. Talk about what you saw, because the, the plays deal a lot with communication right? And, and people communicating and coming up with their own ideas and blending those thoughts. Because we're in a world right now that is so divided over so many issues. And I think these plays address that a lot. And the playwrights come from all over the country and they are uh, selected from a process uh, involving the team who read the plays during the, the process. And so this isn't just thrown together like, oh, let's put on a show. These are well thought out plays. And also sometimes the playwright is in attendance. Even Neil Labute's been known to be there. Yes. If yes, we have, I haven't heard whether, whether they will be there this year or not. But. Yeah, I'm not sure who's, who's planning on attending. I, I haven't heard yet. But Even though Bryn will be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, Bryn will be there. Uh, I went to several of them when Neil was present, but then uh, sometimes his schedule doesn't permit it. But he's mm -hmm. he, there's a student component to the festival, too, student plays. And he used to always try to be there for that. Uh, one of the fun facts when I met him at the Gaslight Theater, the first thing he said to me, because uh, it was at the time I was writing for the Belleville News Democrat. He said, Wilco is my favorite band because they're from Belleville. <laughs> and how far is Belleville from here? And he wanted <laughs> to know all about Belleville oh, because Wilco was his favorite band. But well, we if you ask Wilco, they lie and say they're from Chicago. But we all know that they started <laughs> as Uncle Tupelo over in Belleville. And then you had Sunvolt. And Wilco, 
when they split up and everyone thought Sunvolt was going to be the big band and then Wilco is still around. I know. And they're going to on tour and they sold out immediately here in St. Louis like they always do. And they and uh, Jeff Tweedy's doing a solo show at the Sheldon and it's it sold out the minute they said it. It That's how. But if you do want to read a good biography, autobiography of local people, his is particularly entertaining. So back to the shows. Uh, tell <laughs> well, yeah, me. Yeah, Lint, first, first you have to let them know that you can send people to STLAS, St. Louis Hacker Studio, dot org, and they can find out all of the stuff in case they were too interested in what we had to say about Wilco. Wilco and then... <laughs> They really wanted to know why the real reason we're here, stlas.org, and you can find out that this is the ninth year, Lynn, because the picture that you see of you cuts off the number nine right before it. Right, right. And you can pick up tickets right there at the theater at 360 North Boyle Yes. Um, at the St. Louis Actors Studio. Um, we open July 7th. We run to, through the 23rd. And because there are five plays, these aren't, these have a style. They're not fully produced plays, but they are plays that focus on the actors, minimal props, minimal set. You'll see blocks. Uh, if you haven't been to the, to the festival before, there are stage blocks, minimal furniture. And so the plays, the production really focuses on the plays themselves. And gives but it's you not a, a read through either. Right. It's not a read through. Right. It's produced, oh, but it's they're, they're staged, fully staged. They're, they're fully staged, mm -hmm. but in a style that is uh, um, theatrical and universal to each play. Beautiful lighting and sound lighting by Christy Gunther and and uh, uh, costumes by uh, um, Abby uh, Pastorello. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and of course, our stage manager. <laughs> um, what would we do without Amy Page? Oh, she's a treasure. Yes. She's a treasure. She really is. She uh, keeps everything flowing. The mm -hmm. uh, what I really like since because I love the Gaslight Theater, which has been rehabbed in the Central West End, part of the Gaslight uh, Square District, is the intimate feel of the black box and just the energy that you get from the stage because these aren't well-known works. Because John and Carrie have done classics and uh, they have done, Carrie did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, August Osage County. You little, know, were you part. in Little Foxes? I can't remember. I was. Yes, she you was. were. I was. And then John's done Death of a Salesman and uh, King Lear and all that. But this gives, this is probably Fiddler. fun because you get to be, yes. you get to uh, just, have fun with new characters right, right. the audience is going to be the the first to see them the first to interact with with the actors and and it's up close it's personal it's a small space everything is right there and it's a great showcase for the actors because some of them get to play more than one role and uh, very different roles very distinct characters so so it's a very ex it's exciting theater uh, and if you're a real theater fan, to spend a full evening there watching these, it's it'll be super. It'll be fun. Yeah. 
Well, the safe space that Neil Labute wrote, uh, yes. I want to talk a little about, bit about that because he usually picks something very topical yep. and, and very interesting. And what is uh, interesting about this is it is going to be extremely talk, uh, extremely topical because it is about black and white relations. Right. And I'll tell you, it is also very topical because we've been getting uh, additions to the script all the way up until just a couple of nights ago. <laughs> he uh, he he uh, writes and rewrites and and pounds away at it until he has a perfect script. And uh, part of the reason why he does adds the rewrites is because of what happens in the news, like just recently with the Supreme Court and the violence. He said, "I got to add stuff about that in there." and and it's brilliant the way he puts it in. He slips it right in. Yeah, I always said last last year he did a play called St. Louis. Right. So he should, you know, they should put a book together of all his plays just for the Labute Festival because they've been really good. But I always these new yeah. playwrights that I never heard of, and then they're they're now in my memory. But I always look forward to the Labute Festival because you're going to see things you never ever seen before it's not right. same old same old it isn't no. it's just fresh things mm -hmm. and uh uh there's one that carter lewis were called percentage america that nancy bell and chauncey thomas did a couple years ago and it won the theater circle for best new play and it was about yeah. how we are so focused on the numbers on the analytics in in politics they played a poll I don't know, whatever for for a professional for uh, presidential candidates, and it and we all know about the long, lengthy presidential campaigns. So it's just it's just extremely interesting. But then it's it's just like a a modern you get modern takes on romance, mm -hmm. on families. Right. It's not right. just political current events either. No, but they're all thought provoking, and they they all will. Like I said, you're going to go away being moved, uh, made to think, and it's going to stay with you. And, you know, and John and Carrie both know about the Theater Circle Awards because they're winners of the Theater Circle Awards. <laughs> and, and multiple nominees, too. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's uh, it's always it's always delightful. And then when you meet them and and they don't have a single shred of their evil characters <laughs> well you haven't seen my prep my prep time for a show yes when, beforehand when beforehand they're just total assholes it's just afterwards they, just they afterwards. get it out of their system on stage that's right yeah, my husband had to my husband had to drive me to uh some some rehearsals and performances during who's afraid of virginia wolf and i think oh, wow uh, uh uh, comfort and uh, uh, because of the weather and, and whatnot. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry, honey, that that prep time is rough in the car. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Got to get into character. Yeah. You have oh, to. oh, oh, yeah. Well, and Martha was such a lovely character to get into. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somehow I found a niche. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was worry. that was just groundbreaking. And John's uh, Death of a Salesman. Oh, my God. Directed That's by Wayne Louie. I'll wow. always remember that. And your My son idol. Jason played yep. Biff 
and uh, he won too. So that yep. was very cool. And we've had Jason on the show, Carl. So, you know, I know. And, uh, and I know that, these things. I was here. He is a fine yeah. actor. I, I had the privilege of, of directing him in the weir. And right. it was just yeah. beautiful, beautiful work. And you guys do so much theater that you don't know what you've done. <laughs> you know, we were talking about that. We were talking about a show we did, what, uh, 30, 20, 30 years ago? And we wow. couldn't remember the name of it. <laughs> Invitation to a March, John. That was it. I thought of it. <laughs> Well, I should and, say and, Peter thought of it. <laughs> and Carl, John's a fellow, a SLU alum. Oh, bravo. Yeah, I, I was there with the, the Louis, actually. Oh, yes. Both of them, oh, yes. You are yeah. lucky. Yep. Yeah. Wayne Louie, Alan Hansen, they were my mentors. Oh, I've heard so many stories about them. The mm -hmm. um, Okay, so the starting time on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 8 o'clock. But... Sunday is not a 2 p.m. matinee. It's a 3 p.m. matinee. 3 p.m. You got a little extra time to yep. to wake up, have brunch, <laughs> go to church or whatever you do in the morning, listen to a podcast, and then uh, head to the theater. Mm -hmm. I like yep. this. So Da Vinci's Cockroach. I want to <laughs> know about this. <laughs> well, I don't want to give too much away. I'll just tell you, it's it's kind of a uh, the conflict is between art and science, and uh, but it also has a sub theme dealing with mothers and daughters quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So and it's very funny, but very frightening too. <laughs> and I don't want to give, give much away about it because it's uh, two very unique characters um, presenting their own thoughts and feelings on art and science. And one of them is Colleen Backer. And one is Colleen Backer and the other is Laurel Button. Yes. I love watching Colleen because she appears to be this sweet creature. And uh, sh she will have, like, for instance, Carl, she's sitting there on a date, whining and dining, and then she has a gun underneath a napkin <laughs> yeah. in her lap. Uh -huh. Is it Chekhov's gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she often plays uh, these characters that on the outside look really innocent, but on the inside are very dark. Right, right. Sick you'll and laugh twisted. at her and then, and then suddenly you'll go, oh, she scares me. <laughs> and she's playing a wonderful range yes. in, in The Mockingbird's Nest. Um, yes. Boy, she's, she's really doing some beautiful work. All of these actors are doing such fine work. And it's wonderful to see them in a small space. We've all seen Reggie Pierre out in the park, but to see him in the small black box theater and this beautiful nuanced work that he's doing, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's lovely work. It's been well, such a joy. I think a that's a testament to, to the everything. directors, I would say. I'm sorry? <laughs> I think that's a testament to the directors. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, this is one of the things about being a director. I, I like to see what the actors are bringing in and what they bring to the table and what they unlock every night and then just try to shape it to encourage them. Um, maybe well, Do you like the minimalist style or would you rather have some props or more stage presence of the stage? We do have props. Mm -hmm. But um, I this this work focusing on the actors is is beautiful. Well, we, it is the we, actor we, studio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are, as, I, as I've told the, the actors, you are the close up because this isn't. It's it's not a huge stage. 
and they see you, everything you do, the audience gets to share in. Mm-hmm. That's a, a beautiful thing about that, about that space. Yeah. Again, that's 360 North Boyle, the St. Louis Actors Studio at the Gaslight <laughs> Theater. <laughs> stlas.org. Commercial. <laughs> yes, that's good. Well, what's yeah. coming up for you two? Anything? Well, as a matter of fact, I'll be back at Actors Studio in December. Uh, I'm going to revive uh, my one-man show on John Barrymore. And I will be playing Barrymore uh, in December um, and directed by Aaron Kelly again. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Between now and then, who knows? You should invite Drew to come. Maybe she would. That would be something that Drew Barrymore would. She's like, yeah, I'll come to St. Louis and do that. Oh, if she has friends, if she knows people here, that's an incentive. Uh, I never saw the one that you did for the theater that was Mm -hmm. Avalon Theater, the Mm -hmm. Avalon Theater. But I heard raves about that, so that is very interesting. Very exciting. It was award winning. Oh. It was. It, it was. was. <laughs> yeah. And then Carrie, Carrie, do you have anything coming up? I'm doing something very different this summer. One, I'm directing this, these plays and uh, I'm going to be a, a patron. I'm going to be seeing some things and doing some traveling. So I'm looking forward to that. I've never Would had a you... chance. I've never had a summer off to, to, to just do some traveling and see shows mm-hmm. other places. So I'm excited about that. Well, that's exciting because I know yeah. often I see you on on the stages set, right. but this year's shows weren't, uh, you know, didn't have characters for you. I would nothing say. for me this year. No, but that's all right. I'm I'm eager to be able to see things. You know, when you're in shows back to back, it's it's hard for me anyway to take that one day off to go see something. But um, I get to see a lot of things this year, and I'm very well, excited. The stages, the stages shows are here for like six weeks at a time this summer. Yeah, they have good runs, very yeah. good runs. Well, to emphasize how versatile Carrie is, I was watching Nine to Five there, and she played the evil snake <laughs> uh, boss's secretary, Roz, and I didn't even know that was her. Oh. And, and then, and then in, in intermission, I look at the program and go, Carrie Eli is playing the evil, is playing evil Roz. I never think of my characters as evil. I, Lynn, I always think of my characters as terribly misunderstood. <laughs> well, she did play a nun, uh, the, the uh, sweet but kind of daffy, uh, which is that in Sister Act? Which nun right. was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Which nun was that? Oh, I don't know. The sleepy nun. <laughs> yeah, because you were just hilarious in that. Oh, First of all, you. as a nun. And then. <laughs> so, oh, well. One of my sweeter roles. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, anything you guys do, I look forward to seeing. And I look forward okay. to, I'll be there Sunday afternoon. Oh, good. So I will get to see, yeah, I'll get to see you and we can discuss these plays. Good. Oh, great. Thank you, Lynn. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Pleasure. We appreciate what you do for the theater and getting the word out. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, Joe. Hi, (laughs) Janelle.
Now, talk about adding things to a schedule. We have got a long list of things to uh, mention. Joe just sent a press release adding everything else he's doing, which is a lot. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hi. Well, if it's the summer, you know that Joe Hanrahan's going to be up to a lot of things, including the St. Louis Fringe Festival, the St. Louis Theater Showcase. Midnight Company has not uh, only got one show this month, but two in their new cabaret series at the Blue Strawberry. And if that isn't enough, he just announced uh, a couple other things that they're doing. So we're going to hear from Joe Hanrahan. And we're going to hear from Janelle Owens, who is doing the uh, Judy Garland tribute that's going to be at the Blue Strawberry. Hello, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. Well, Joe, nice are you spending? <laughs> Sorry, I was... go no. ahead, Lynn. I was going to say, Janelle, it's so nice to uh, see you in uh, and uh, have you as a guest because you are a first timer, Carl. I think, Joe, you might be a fifth timer, a five timer. I'm going to check. Yeah, you get the plaid jacket. Yeah, the <laughs> lifetime achievement. <laughs> now, Joe, are, how much time are you spending at the Blue Strawberry, honestly? Uh, not a ton. We don't rehearse there. And our shows are, are, are you know, very uh, manageable to watch and kind of consume. So, uh, but but uh, if you, you take it on a monthly basis, we're we're there regularly now. We're adding new shows and thinking of others. It's a fantastic venue. I've yeah. been there, and it, it's perfect for a cabaret show because it's a bar that plays music. And and one thing we're trying to do in all of the shows we've done and are planning to do is not cabaret. We're calling it cabaret theater. We want to have a story around what we're doing, whether it's Judy Garland's story or a story that we have made up. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, Janelle, tell us about the Judy Garland experience, because this is going to be different. This isn't going to be the Judy movie or the Judy show that we've seen on the road by uh, performers. What is this? Yes, exactly. Um, we... I first and foremost, as the performer in it, really want to stress that point that I am not attempting to play Judy on stage in this show. Um, this show is really uh, Joe taking an idea that I've had for a long time, uh, which was originally, I just wanted to do a Judy Garland cabaret. I just wanted to present her songs and her music. And Joe saw that. And with this idea of the, the, the cabaret theater that he wants to incorporate at Blue Strawberry, had an idea of let's take that music and let's interweave it with her life story and your life story simultaneously and compare and contrast our ups and downs throughout our careers. So I'm definitely telling her life and talking a lot about her, but I am not in any way trying to impersonate her through this. Um, and the the title, You Made Me Love You, is very significant because it's basically me talking about how Junie made me love her and fall in love with her throughout my life. So I'm pretty much paying tribute and to, to a great artist. And uh, Joe's 
created a beautiful script to do that, that I'm really honored to be a part of. And uh, we want to celebrate her ultimately. You know, we know Judy had a trying time throughout her life. We know she had a lot of tribulations and trials. And uh, ultimately, we want to celebrate the amazing artist she was. People love Judy. That yeah, because they still think of her as a fourteen-year-old who's going over the rainbow. Because the way that people watched The Wizard of Oz for so many years, they think of her as this. And then, if you grew up with her back then, I didn't. She had passed by the time I was even born. Uh, you have a different appreciation for that, but there are a lot of people who only know her. For certain things, they don't think of her as the uh, award-nominated actress for uh, Nuremberg. They just think of her as Dorothy Gale, right? Well, I, th I think in St. Louis, though, people have special affection for her because of Meet Me in St. Louis, and you know, she's the oh, one, yeah, and and she's singing the, the world's most depressing Christmas song, uh. and and she's the one that says right here, right in St. Louis. And, so, and while Janelle says she is not impersonating Judy, there is something that happened to Janelle when she was younger that kind of uh, continued to propel her towards Judy. Uh, I mean, you might tell them a little about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say Joe does have a good point, and I realize I failed to mention my kind of personal connection of why, you know, my love for Judy started. And it's it's not in the traditional sense of, I didn't watch The Wizard of Oz as a child and fall in love with it. Although I did, and you know, it's great. It's not my favorite Judy movie, but it's great. Uh, but when I was in college and I was studying voice, I had a teacher who one day said, are you, do you listen to a lot of Judy Garland? And I said, you know, enough. Why? And she says, there's just a real similar quality about your vocal, your voice that reminds me of hers. She goes, I don't think, I'm not saying you sound like her, but there is, there, there's a, a timber there. There's, there's a, a likeness a quality. She goes, I think you should embrace that. And she goes, because the woman had amazing technique and she goes, I don't want you to try and be her. Don't impersonate her but I want you to have an appreciation there. And so I started to really dive into her music and her style and her sound. And it just, for lack of a better, you know, word, it made me love her. And let me tell you, you about it. this teacher, since we've been doing the show, uh, yeah, when we started, I start throwing on Judy's greatest hits and listening and I hadn't heard Janelle do her yet, but uh, having worked with Janelle and just knowing her speaking voices, I've been listening to the Judy songs. I hear Janelle, you know. Well, that's wonderful. Hey. And, Jan and Janelle, I do know that you, uh, we're going to talk about the dates for Judy, but also you have a show, a USO show that you do. And so that's a period uh, that Judy was very popular. So uh, tell us about that, uh, what you do for for that like, where can people see you for the uh, USO show? Well, uh, I don't have any local ones coming up, but you are correct. I have uh, I have uh, dabbled in this realm of World War II era USO shows. I started attending World War II reenactments 12 years ago, and I discovered that there was this great need for entertainment at that time. And 
being the performer I am and also a lover of history, I found a way to combine the two and started producing my own USO shows. Uh, and that's kind of, I got introduced to World War II reenacting basically by answering an ad to portray Judy Garland in a show. So how's that for full circle <laughs> coming around? Um, but I love, I love the era. I love. Was history. it placed by Joe? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, no, but that would have been really <laughs> irony there. Um, no, I just, you know, I, I, I saw a need that needed to be met and something that I had a lot of passion for. And uh, I kind of ran with it. And then I thought, I'm going to do this on a, a larger scale. And I want to start producing these on a local level. So I started doing that a few years ago here in St. Louis. And every time I've done one of these shows, it's been a hit. They've sold out. People, I always say people love a theme and people really love this theme. They flock to these shows. Because um, we just, I really try to paint a picture of what the history was and the people that were involved. And I always say this, that I love honoring um, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Have you ever talked to this voice teacher and let the voice teacher know that you're doing this now? Um, she is, she's aware. Well, this is, this might make me look bad. She does not know about the Judy show unless she's seen it on Facebook. And I feel terrible about that. I need to reach out to her, but she is aware of, you know, my successes and she knows that I do these USO shows and she knows I'm a singer and actor here in St. Louis. And she, she keeps up with me a great deal. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Well, Joe, tell us when the show's going to be. Uh, <clears throat> the show, uh, our opening night is going to be Thursday, um, July 27th, and then we're doing additional performances on Wednesdays, August 2nd and 9th, all at 7.30 at the Blue Strawberry. And you still have a show there. The Linda Ronstadt show is still running with Kelly Howe. And uh, what are the upcoming dates for that? Yeah, we've got uh, a show of that. Um, let's see. Uh, I think it's July 19th, the Wednesday. And then I think we're going on the 16th and 30th of August. So those shows have, you know, that, that show sold out 10 times. And uh, so we're hoping that this gives uh, more people a chance to see it or see it again. <laughs> and you and Kelly are pairing. Carl, you're going to love this. They just announced this is their show for uh, uh, the future. Tell us about uh, if, I can't even say it because I, I, I read the press release. But, Joe, you're going to tell it better than me. Yeah, Kelly and I decided we wanted to do another show. Uh, we're just kind of like, let's just do another, you know. And uh, I, this came from an idea of Kelly's. Um, there's a Kelly and her, her husband recently lost a friend, uh, a very close friend of theirs, a couple months ago. And and it was from there that Kelly said, "I want to do a show about how tough things are," uh, and that she had that in mind. And then she also had the song, "We Got to Get Out of This Place." by the animals. And yeah. uh, that started what, uh, you know, has become uh, a, a show called Professor Sunshine's Traveling Post-Apocalyptic Rock and Roll Revival. And I, I, I am Professor Sunshine. I'm leading this ragtag show around the country in these dark, desolate times, coming to towns and bringing a little life with some, uh, uh, some uh, sal salvation, uh, the salvation of rock and roll. 
Kelly is the is our singer Cheyenne. So that's uh, that, that's in preparation now, and it's something where we hope to have a lot of fun with. And when uh, okay, so so you're going to be in that's going to be in the fall. Yeah, it's going to be two two nights in September. It's scheduled right now, later in uh, later in September. And if all goes well, if, if people like it, we hope to bring it back again. So, but we have two shows scheduled. Both Kelly and I are performing in plays in October, so we had to kind of cut it short a little bit. The planned run. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure it's going to have a repeat. From just that title alone, yeah, uh, has me intrigued. And uh, you are doing another Beatles related play at the Fringe Festival. So tell us about that. Oh, at the Fringe Festival. Yeah, I, I've done many Fringe shows and I enjoyed doing it. I wasn't planning on it this year, but I saw this book and I went, man, that's a play. Uh, Humans of St. Louis. Now you guys may have... Go ahead. No, I, I just made a mistake because the Beatles show is for the theater crawl. Oh, yeah, so, that's the other yeah. thing. Yeah, but yeah, the, the humans, to, is, yeah. Uh, humans is a book, you know, it's a phenomenon around the new... You started Humans of New York. It's a 30 pound book that you can buy, but it's got hundreds and hundreds of photos of St. Louis people talking about the city. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's what our play is going to be. It's going to be more like 50 different people talking about the city or a dozen actors playing 50 different people. And so, uh, briefly, uh, the Fringe Festival is a, uh, is about the artist self-expression. I believe this is about self-expression of the city. This is really the core of the city saying, here's who we are and what we are. And I think that's going to be intriguing. Yeah, I have the book. I got it for a Christmas present. Yeah, and I said, "This yeah. is Joe's show. This is Joe's show." So the I mean, uh, the, the uh, theater showcase thing you mentioned—that's the two nights in early August uh, where different companies present things, different nights, kind of replace the theater crawl. Uh, and, and each show does one short play each night. And I'm doing a show. You've heard of John, Paul, George, and Ringo. This is called um, Cynthia, Linda, Patty, and Maureen, and Yoko. Ah. It's a, it's a short uh, short piece about the, the wives. It's the Beatles' wives and their future wives uh, meeting for a cocktail party. It's the night when the Beatles themselves uh, performed uh, "All You Need Is Love" live to four hundred million people, and they're having a drink before, and there's some interaction among the women. The, the tagline is "Behind every great band, there's some great women," which is true. And uh, I uh, I'm old enough to remember watching that. Watching yeah. Magical Mystery Tour on TV. So I'm looking forward to that. And you did a couple of years ago, one of my favorite skits at the Fringe Festival, or not skits, but plays, was the one you did about what if the Beatles, what if the Beatles, uh, what if John Lennon hadn't been shot? Yeah, it, yeah, it was a, it was called, it was called uh, the Everest Game, and it was kind of a fanciful time travel thing where a guy goes back and tries to get them to just stay together for one more album, and once they do, like amazing things start happening in the world. And the show ends up with them playing, uh, you know, playing at the opening of Disney World, North Korea. <laughs> well, the world would have been different, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you have another play coming up in just two weeks. So tell us about the years. Yeah, this show is called The Years, and uh, I have to credit a, a fellow critic of yours, Judy Newmark, with kind of inspiring this, because uh, I did a show last summer called Rodney's Wife, and at intermission, Judy came up to me and said right to my face, Joe, this isn't your type of show. <laughs> and I remember a show that uh, people said that about about 20, 25 years ago called The Years I directed, 
And I said, yeah, they told me about that too, but it's, I, I love that show too. And it's a very strange play. It's about a, a, pair of, a pair of cousins, two women and a woman and a guy, and it takes them through the years. It sounds simple and it's kind of a slow burn, as they say in streaming TV, you know, it draws you in slowly, but it is a really compelling show that has twists and turns and uh, and brings you into these these four people's lives. It's a, it's a drama, but it's it's got a, uh, despite the, the, the love, death, destruction that the years can bring, it really has a, a a great sense of hope. I think about it, and I have a tremendous cast of of young actors uh, who are, who are doing these things. The original cast, when I did it twenty five years ago, that that included uh, just back from being out of town for a while, several states, school with Levon Byers. That was her first show back in St. Louis when she came back here, and also in St. Louis for a short time, John Hamm was in that cast. Oh wow! The recently married John Hamm. Wow. That Fletch. is interesting. That is yeah. very interesting. Well, Joe, what I think marks you is uh, you are not easy to peg and you do <laughs> a variety of things, uh, but they're always interesting. And uh, I think uh, Rodney's wife was exceptional. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, Janelle just uh, in uh, this past spring was in St. Louis Actor Studio, who we just talked to, Carl. Uh, she was in Uncle Vanya, and uh, she killed it on that stage. She was also spectacular in uh, Into the Woods for Straight Up. Oh, uh, I totally... Playing the witch. <laughs> that <Yes>. little thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, the, the witch. You know, the Meryl Streep role. Yeah, <laughs> she know. was... Well, I like to think of it as the Bernadette, uh, the Bernadette Peters role, <laughs> Vanessa Williams. Role. As you should. Yes. Well, I just saw it with Patina Miller on Broadway. So there you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, I liked Janelle's interpretation of The Witch because okay. it was very cynical, but also snarky, which you don't often find in that role. You find the darkness, but you don't often find the snarky. So that was a good interpretation. Plus Thank she has, you. well, sure. She has a voice. So what are you, uh, uh, after the Judy Garland, what's next up? Uh, a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, on, honestly, uh, probably just, yeah, uh, I don't have any, theater, uh, no, no acting roles on the dock coming up. Um, I've been hitting it pretty hard from the beginning of this year, you know, uh, well, between, in, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say between uncle Vanya, which is not light at no, all. No, no. And also, uh, into the woods, uh, you know, both very difficult. And then now the Judy Garland, the Judy yeah. Garland. It's, it's, I mean, it's been wonderful. I've been very, I'm very fortunate and I'm very blessed and lucky and I'm, I'm happy that I've been cast in such a way and that people are working with me. Um, I'll, I mean, I do have things after the Judy show. I, I'm a burlesque performer in this town. So, you know, I'll have some burlesque shows that I'll be a part of and some other, you know, singing gigs here and there. And I'm also a part of the, um, festivals up in St. Charles, the Halloween and Christmas festivals. So that's probably the rest of my year at this point. And, you know, I'll just start auditioning for things for the new year. 
Well, we also forgot uh, her award-winning curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. She played the mom and that won the theater mask awards swept them. As a matter of fact, in the spring, that's when I last saw you. And then on Sunday we had the AFL best performance awards for the musical theater and Mm -hmm. Ken Clark won an acting award. (laughs) And I was kidding. It's good to be a working actor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you know, but he said, "Well, this is the first time in the same year I've won set design, directing, and uh, acting." Yeah. So, but he got the acting for Zach in the chorus line, which isn't normally uh, a uh, big showy role, but it's it's important. Yeah. I now I'm acting like I'm downplaying it, but no, it was it's called a cameo. We give awards for cameos, so. <laughs> Anyway, so you guys are busy. I see your names all the time in projects and being thanked. And uh, you, even if you're behind the scenes and not in front of the camera, you're still extremely busy. And Joe, you not only have all this swirling, which is making my head spin, but you also have a major production of The Lion in Winter coming up this yeah. fall with yeah. a mega cast yeah yeah we're uh that's gonna be a a, a, a great project uh, we've got a we're meeting on it already planning the physical aspects of it the cast is all busy doing other things uh, and this and that but yeah when I, when I first decided to do that show i had one one name came to mind to play eleanor of aquitaine that was levon byers and I said, man, I hope I can uh, get her. And she was ready to jump on board. And then John Wolbers and Joel Moses and Ryan Lawson Maskey are the uh, are our three treacherous sons. And uh, Shannon Campbell plays the French princess who Henry II takes a liking to. And uh, her brother, Michael Pierce, will be directed by uh, Tom Kopp. And so we're uh-huh. looking forward to that. Wow. Well, it's, it's just a great, uh, great, great show that, I, you know, it hasn't been done in a long time. And, you know, I don't know if I told you, you know, one thing that really that hit me about that show and going over it, everybody knows Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You know, that was written by William Goldman. His brother, James Goldman, wrote The Lion in Winter. And they're like, you can see the fa- the brothers, you know, sense of humor. You know, Butch Cassidy's a sitcom in the Old West and Lion in Winter is kind of a sitcom in uh, 12th century France. Well, uh, the Blue Strawberry isn't as big as some of your venues that you've used before. And so uh, where can people, because I'm sure this is going to sell out. So where can people go to get tickets for the Judy Garland show? Uh, Online, they can go uh, to uh, uh, bluestrawberrystl.com. Uh, uh, they could also call if anybody who can remember a number, they have a phone number on their website. It's 314-256-1745, but bluestrawberrystl.com is probably a smart way to go. Yes. That, and then for the everything else, very, the midnight, it, yeah, for everything else, Midnight Company. Uh, well, uh, let's see. Well, different ticket outlets. Uh, the years is Metro. <laughs> midnight Company has info, Metro ticks for the years. And then, uh fringe festival is at uh, stlfringe.org and uh, and that theater showcase that's free you know that's a free with registration via kwmu i'm glad they're bringing that back because suddenly it was fourth of july weekend or beforehand and i said 
what happened at the theater crawl? I used to every around 4th of yeah. July, that used to be so much fun going to the Grand Center and seeing what y'all were up to and uh, looking forward to things. And then it was like, oh, hmm. Yeah, this is the stationary version, the post-pandemic version of the crawl. Where we just go and sit and then you come to us. Right, right. It's in the outdoor public <laughs> media commons, you know, by KWMU. And then they have a stage out there and it's like five different companies each night present something short. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, you two have, did you get to enjoy any part of the summer? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to the Muni last night and, you know. How is it? Okay. How is it? We were talking tonight? about this at the beginning of the show. I, I loved it. I, I, I would see that show again in a heartbeat. I've always loved the music of chess and I've never seen a production on stage because, you know, it's not done. Um, it, beautiful. I loved their interpretation. I loved their set. Um, everyone needs to go see it. So I can't say enough good things. Oh, good. It's one night in Bangkok. <laughs> well uh i i'm so thankful that we got some of your time because i know uh it's uh gonna be a whirlwind and i can't wait to see everything y'all do this summer and i really look forward to hearing you sing janelle because that is a treat carl if you haven't heard her sing it is a very I love special me judy yeah one thing i can uh, mention too about that is uh now you know i brought up the her, her voice teacher talking about her similar quality and and there is but one thing she's going to do with her and her band is going to do with this show is they're not just going to do recreations of Judy's songs some some will sound close but some they're going to put their own interpretation her their own vision their own uh you know take on, on some of those songs which i think is just going to add to the uh the appeal and appeal and interest still an interest of the interest of the show it's oh, not a documentary. documentary it's it's a narrative feature exactly yes well get your tickets early because it is going to sell out and and everything else so thank you so much for coming today and joe thank uh congrats on your a-list now uh oh mention for st louis magazine thanks a lot thank you all thanks thank all you, thanks for having us thanks See you later. Thanks, joe. always a pleasure always a pleasure Indeed. Bye-bye. So, Lynn, we do have some movies that are out this week. One of them, actually, we should have talked about last week and one that is on Netflix this week. Let's talk about last week's disaster of a film, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, which is – I you didn't see it. I saw it with my animation student child, and it's Universal Pictures, and it looks cheap it's it's just a story it's computer animation uh it's dreamworks both in fact both of these movies i think are well hold on a second let's just say the voice casts on both of these films are fantastic uh lana condor plays ruby gilman she's uh high school student. Uh, she was in X-Men Apocalypse as Jubilee. And I love Jubilee because I grew up with the 90s X-Men comics. So I loved having like Jubilee in real life because the X-Men are the X-Men. And then Tony Collette plays her mom. And uh, you have uh, her dad is played by uh, Coleman Domingo. And so oh, those love. you have great names. Oh, and Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek plays the 
best friend ish. And then Will Forte plays the crazy lighthouse keeper. Are we? Yeah. And Jabuki Young White is the boyfriend. And so all these names are great. And Sam Richardson plays the uncle and Jane Fonda plays the grandma. So those are all wonderful people playing in a movie that looks like it was going to go direct to television. My kid who does the animation found a rendering problem. And I, I, I understand what rendering is because um, I know animation, but it just looks like uh, the story is so weird. They're Krakens. They're like, I read a review that said it's like someone didn't know what a Kraken was and was trying to uh, draw a Lovecraft character. Uh, uh, a Cthulhu, I can never say it right. Cthulhu while they were drunk from memory. And that's just what this movie is. It doesn't make sense because like the teenager has three legs when she's a Kraken. The mom has four legs and the grandma has five legs and they have tentacles. It's it. They're not really Krakens. It's just really weird. But what I did, and I always try to say something positive about a movie because a lot, a lot of work went into this movie. I would say that they would make a TV series out of this dream because DreamWorks does that and they do it really well. DreamWorks animation makes TV shows out of their movies. And I could see them doing that with this because they did that with Madagascar. They did that with Kung Fu Panda. They did that with How to Train Your Dragon. They've done that with Boss Baby. I could see them making a Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken TV series about this, and I think it actually would be more suited for that than it was on the big screen. Wow. Do you know well, anything have, about this movie? I did read Max's review, which was complimentary, and I did... That's because uh, his see, son loved it. I know, and then I did see the preview of it when I determined, I don't think I'm going to go to this. Um, and his then, 12-year-old son loves it, and you know what? This is a movie for 12 year olds. Right. And the mermaids are evil. So that I like that twist. I like that twist. I thought that was good, but it wasn't enough to uh, draw me to the theater uh, when I had other things I could do. But I can <laughs> see how little kids would like that and grandmas would probably enjoy it. And so there you go. But what I did love, and I'm so glad that you tipped me off to Nimona because I was hearing about this and I thought, well, maybe I should see it. And then you raved and I was like, well, now I have to see it. And it's got an interesting backstory, but what is important, I think is it is on Netflix streaming. It has got a fantastic voice. It's got a good story and it is so clever and engaging it kept me engaged and, you know, I'm not the biggest fantasy realm uh, devotee and mm -hmm. I, I like this medieval storyline, but it's in the, it's, future. it's, it is fantasy. Yeah. They, they're, they're knights protecting from dragons, but they have flying cars as well. How's that? Right. So it's, well, very so I mentioned the voice cast. I've mentioned the voice cast for Ruby. Let's do the voice cast for Nimona. Chloe Grace Moretz plays Nimona. Riz Ahmed, uh, Eugene Lee Yang, he's one of the Try Guys. Francis Conroy has a major part. 
Uh, I thought Lorraine Tressant was going to have a bigger part. That didn't happen. Beck Bennett is a character that is not in the book, and my kid was not happy about that because it's that is comic relief. Uh, RuPaul's in it. Uh, Sarah Sherman from Saturday Night Live is in it. And mm, this we need to talk a little bit about the backstory. This started out as a webcomic by the author N.D. Like Indy is how the author is going. Indy Stevenson. And that's how the author goes by now. And it started as a webcomic. Then it became a graphic novel. And this movie was supposed to be done in 2015. You go, what What took so long? It started in 2015. It only takes a couple years to make an animated film. No. Uh, this was part of the Disney Fox merger because this was Blue Sky Entertainment and it was the people that did Ice Age and they were going to make this movie and then Disney killed Blue Sky Entertainment. Which is so sad. So, it is sad. And it was 75% finished. And they brought everybody back because Annapurna said, oh, we'll take a chance on this. And the, they, I'm glad they did. They brought everybody back. They added some new people to it. The best part about the film for me is that everybody that worked at Blue, Stock, Blue Sky Studios when it was dissolved gets a credit on this film. And so does... Andrew Stanton, who is at Pixar. So I'm guessing he was one of the ones that did not want this to be uh, shut down. So I think that that is great. And the fact that this movie has taken such a long journey to be here and it is well done. That's the thing. It is a well done story. Now, my daughter did not like some of the changes that they made in the book. She said, all the beats are there from the book. It's like the whole thing was paraphrased from the graphic novel. So if you paraphrase, it's not going to be the same. So if you're a purist for the webcomic slash graphic novel, you might not like this. In fact, the, the way the book ends, and I'm not going to tell that what it is, is more ambiguous. This one is more definite leading to possibly a sequel. But I think Andy Stevenson is a producer on this. And if they want to make more, I think they could. Well, it is zippy. It zips along in the shape-shifting. And Chloe Grace Moretz is just perfect as this Nimona. Uh, just perfect. And I've always enjoyed her work. I thought she was going to be a bigger star. Uh, she has done quite a bit of animation. And uh, Riz Ahmed is a good catch for this one because he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it does yeah. have a queer storyline. And that's interesting for an animated well, film. Well, here, here's what I was going to here's what I was going to say about that. For anyone that is like, oh, this is blah. the the character of Minamona goes to a shark, a whale, a dragon, uh, a pig a boy and a girl. And if you're not okay with the last two, are you okay with the first five? It, you, it's not a big deal in this movie. It's a shapeshifter and there are dragons. This is fantasy. This is not real life. This isn't taking place on earth. 
and she is an ostrich too. Oh, and I see, it's just so funny. It is. And, and, and she's cynical and it's funny in her, uh, well, but she has that's a, a Go ahead. I was going to say, the... but yeah, she has a sad backstory though, but she. Which is different from the book. The book is, she's a liar. This is a PG movie, by the way. And the source material is a lot more rated R violent. Mona loves to kill people. And that is toned down a lot in this PG-13 movie. Or no, it's not PG-13. It's PG on Netflix. Wow. Well, I'm glad. I hope Netflix has the last laugh. And uh, um, I highly recommend it for something different. And uh, I, 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 w I was thoroughly entertained. And I like to be surprised. Now, another surprise was... I, we don't have any theatrical releases on July 7th because next week we have Mission Impossible 7 on July 12th. So we um, are uh, kind of at a lull. We just have streaming things right now. And so I saw all this stuff about Sound of Freedom was starting on July 4th. And I thought, what is that? And then I, I got an invitation to watch it. And I thought, okay, I'll watch it. And this film is another product of the Disney takeover of 20th Century Fox. Because 20th, it, this movie was made five years ago. And, wow. uh, 20th, and it was supposed to be a 20th Century Fox production. Mm -hmm. And so when that went south... Uh, they found a distributor in Angel Studios, and that is a faith-based film company. Uh, they ah. did that TV show, The Chosen, that's a big deal. That's like the biggest crowdsourced project ever. And uh, they have quite a following among conservative Christians. So I went into this film. Which is a huge audience. It is a huge audience, and that's why you're seeing so much buzz, and that's why the multiplexes are running it. All the Marcuses have it, and, uh, uh, you know, it's around town. So I thought, well, to serve my audience, I'll watch it. And it is about child sex trafficking. Not a, uh easy subject by any means, not a subject no. that we see a lot. Uh, it is hair raising and uh, hard to watch it makes your skin crawl it is uh the whole point of this film jim caviezel plays a homeland security special agent this is based on right. his life tim ballard and uh so it's based on true events and he was so frustrated by he was catching in 12-year career, he caught 280 pedophiles, but he had very few successes in uh, rescuing the children from sex slavery. And so he went on his own. And uh, it's it's just a, a story that just grabs your heart and it's really remarkable. It becomes an undercover jungle thriller in the Colombian jungle. But these people uh, that have made this, let this sink in. 
child sex trafficking, the sex slave trade is $150, uh, $150 billion industry. Mm. I think don't that. want you to say industry, but yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, isn't that just, it's mind blowing. Well, so St. Louis's own Zip Zeppa was uh, instrumental in helping get this film made. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. We had Zip on the air talking about it. Oh, oh, how interesting, because I didn't know that. Well, uh, they are the whole purpose, because after the credits, Jim Caviezel comes on and makes this plea to get as many people as possible to watch the film. And if you can't afford it, they have a QR code. They have this pay it forward system where other people right. will pay for tickets so you can go. And the whole purpose is to bring light into the darkness in terms of hope because um, they have a tagline, God's children are not for sale. And I say, my thing is God's children should never be for sale. Right. And so uh, eradicating child sex trafficking and uh, then it's every parent's nightmare and it shows you. But how's the movie? The movie is a, is fine. It's a standard, like a procedural. It's fine. It's not and difficult gonna, to watch. It's difficult to watch, but as a movie, it's it. I gave it a B because it is good versus evil. Battle lines are drawn. The script is your basic script. They cut to the chase. They don't they don't mess around with any nuance any clever dialogue you're not getting any of that you're just getting like if you were sitting at home watching fbi Date, or dateline or a magnum pi or even oh, a real grungy a, Miami a procedural vice. yes yeah. it's very much like a procedural it's hard is in the right place it's very earnest and sincere and those two little kids that they get to play the brother and the sister from Honduras who are lured by showbiz dreams. Oh, but these people, it's just hard to watch these per, uh, pedophiles and perverts and, and uh, mercenary and all the, the business people like, uh, you know, you just hope there's a hell that they can burn in because <laughs> that's the way you feel. So anyway, it's a film that, um, I think people will be drawn to, but more importantly, people will be uh, want to do something. And that's the whole purpose of the movie is like a yes. call to action. Well, I hate to end on a sad note. So let's say we're going to see chess tonight and we've heard nothing but good things about it. Yes. And if you haven't caught the Hamilton sing along at Disney plus, that'll make you really smile because it's just so fun and, and it just makes you appreciate it even more. And it's perfect timing, the birth of our nation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I highly recommend well, that. Lynn, where can we find you on the socials? I am uh, all the socials, but I'm also in the Webster Kirkwood times on uh, Fridays and in the website and the, the print. And also I am, and I just did a story about the nerd, which Ryan Lawson Maskey, which Joe mentioned is going to start in starting Friday night. And um, I'm on KTRS every Friday with Jennifer and Wendy at 11.08. And the website Pop Life STL has all sorts of fun things, including the lineup for this, for the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Uh, you and I are both judges. Yes, I need to get those links sooner than later because they haven't sent them yet. 
All right, Lynn, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, and now threads at underscore Carl, the intern. You can also find me on the Mark Cox morning show, Monday through Friday on 97.1 FM talk. Also, you can find me on KMOX on the weekends on second amendment radio and the great outdoors also on 97.1. So everyone, I hope you have a good week and we will talk dead reckoning part one next week, which unlike other part ones actually has an ending. So have a good week. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.